today I welcome my friend Rian Volmerans back into the studio and we are going to do a discussion on books again because that's our favorite type of podcast. Today we're going to discuss books that make you think of places or make you want to go to a certain place or it might be holiday reading about a place you'd like to visit. So it's all about memories of places that you've been and places that you aspire to go to. We hope you enjoy our discussion. Let's start off in North America. Let's go to New York. It's nice being here again. Uh, we got a good response to last year's books podcast. Uh, let's uh, see if we can do the same. You told me to bring 10 books. I brought a few more, but I did put them into categories. The first city that came to mind for me is New York City, because it's a city that features in so many aspects of nonfiction and fiction, of course. And it's a city that I've also visited before, which was an amazing experience. But it has obviously many sides because it's such a complicated and big city. And a book that I read before I went to New York City was Brett Easton Ellis's American Psycho, which is quite famous in its own regard for being a terrifying novel to read. It's very hard reading at times. I mean, I am a big fan of horror, but the kind of graphic descriptions in this book of murder and mayhem, and it's, it can be quite severe. And I can't read any gory stuff at all. So there's a, there's a <laughs> big reason why I don't read half of Stephen King's novels, because there's a lot of gore involved and I just can't, I right. can't cope with it. But what this book does, it shows you, because the, the main character is a, a Wall Street banker and he's a complete psycho also, of course. It paints a very grim picture of the hard, uh, humanless side of New York, emotionless side. It was all about money and greed and fame, etc. So... It's one picture of New York that it's painted through this one book. But then you actually go there and you discover how amazing the city is. And we went there after 9-11 and we visited the site where the Twin Towers had stood. At the time, there was just a hole in the ground and they were still busy developing the idea of the memorial that's gone up there since. And it was a very emotional moment to visit that scene. And then after my visit to New York, I read Jonathan Safran Foer's book, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which was also made into a film. Well, as was American Psycho, of course. So extremely loud and incredibly close tells a post 9-11 story of a, of a nine-year-old boy whose dad died in 9-11. And then um, he's trying to get through life, this boy with his mum, and he finds a mystery key. And then, of course, the key needs a door. And he goes on a mission to find the door that matches the key. And that that's how an amazing tragic, funny, and intensely moving tale, as the spectator called it, unfolds. And it really is a, an astoundingly beautiful book. So it was interesting to show how two books can paint the city in two different lights so beautifully. We visited New York a couple of years ago for a friend of mine's 40th birthday. Actually, it's not a couple of years. It's like seven years ago. Anyway, let's not think about it like that. And we saw all of the sites and that sort of thing. And the, most of the books that I'll talk about today are books that I actually read in 2019 have actually been quite prolific because I've been driving around a lot and listening to them as well. And the book that I, I wanted to mention is City of Girls by uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. And it's all about 1940s New York and showgirl. Well, she's not a showgirl. She's somebody who comes from a small town and goes into New York and goes into her aunt's small dilapidated theater and becomes a seamstress and makes costumes for all of the showgirls. And she makes one small mistake and how that impacts her whole life. And I really like the way it was written. It's a very strong female feminine type book. 
And I would definitely recommend people to read that as well. And if we had to stay on the North American continents, another book that I read this year, which was really, really amazing, and it's sort of half story and it's half documentary style almost, is the library book by Susan Orlean. And it's all about the library in Los Angeles that burnt down in 1986. And we sort of missed that story because the Challenger blew up in around about the same time. So it wasn't a huge front page story, but they lost millions of books. And it's all about the community that came together to save these books and, and people who made freezers available to um, dry them out and get them back on the shelves and all of the books, the way that they actually restocked it. But what was nice about it, it's not just about the library. It's also about the people who work there and their lives and their stories as well. So it's sort of a story that's a documentary, but it's it was wonderful to read. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And then staying on the North American continent, one of my favorite places to read about is Three Pines, which is part of Louise Penny's awesome Armanica Mash series. And each time I read it, or any of her books, because I've read quite a number of them in the series already, I always want to go to Three Pines and I want to go and eat at the little bistro which they describe. I mean, the whole series is about an um, investigator who investigates homicides and murders and that sort of stuff. But the way in which it's it described, it's almost like comfort eating or comfort food for your ears. Um, so I always like the the picture that he paints or that she paints around how cozy everything is and what they're eating all the time and how they're investigating these crimes. So I'd actually love to visit Three Pines in Canada. Staying on the theme of big cities, I did live in London for three years. So another amazing city, just like New York, obviously, but, and also a city that features in so many books and films and television shows. But uh, instead of bringing books about the real London. Today I brought two books about fantasy London, both of which are very, very, very lovely to read. The one is by China Mihevel called Unlondon, spelled U-N-L-U-N-D-U-N, which in very Mihevel fashion creates an incredibly detailed and well-configured, well-thought-out alternative London called Unlondon, which you obviously find through a secret entrance. And then there's all kinds of amazing adventures and things that happen there. And I mean, how can you resist a book that promises you carnivorous giraffes and a sinister cloud called smog bent on destruction? So it, it really is a truly astounding kind of fantasy novel that, I mean, it's so inventive the way that he's created this world. And similar to that, we've got Neil Gaiman, the UK author, and his book Neverwhere, which is quite similar in theme, but maybe a bit more aimed at a broader audience and even a younger audience. A young man in London finds a girl who bleeding on a London sidewalk and then it turns out she's being pursued by assassins and these assassins are not really from the real London and of course soon he's also drawn into like a an underworld a different version of London that exists behind what we see every day. I mean a similar sort of series that I read not this year but a couple of years ago was by Ben Aronovich and the first book in the series is called Rivers of London and it all follows the adventures of a constable called Peter Grant and he then finds this supernatural type investigator who's got something that's quite strange about him called Thomas Nightingale. And they investigate all sorts of crimes that are linked to magic and manifestations of the uncanny. And it's all about these gods and goddesses who still exist inside of London and are tied to specific landmarks. And I quite enjoy it. It's along the similar vein of this 
other world within London itself. It was good. We'll stay in Europe for a little bit. Um, I wanted to talk about books on holiday because one thing I love about reading paper books, which I almost exclusively do, unlike Pietru, is the fact that when I see them on my bookshelves, I they feel like old friends. I can look at a book and I know that book I spent hours reading on a train through Japan or on a boat in Halong Bay in Vietnam. And those tactile memories are very important for me in terms of how I remember the books and when I read them and how much I enjoyed them or not. So the first destination abroad that I visited outside South Africa was uh, the Netherlands in Amsterdam in the beginning of the 2000s. And the very first time I went to Amsterdam, uh, one day I thought, oh, let me see if I can find a bookshop. But I kind of couldn't really on the first day find an English language one because, you know, Europe is weird that way. I just walked and walked and walked one day and looking at the city and I found suddenly stumbled upon a very unmarked bookshop, really. It's not, not a big sign outside or anything, but they actually had all these books in a kind of a, over several stories in an old house and including many English books. And I found a book by Steve Alton called Meg. Now, this is complete schlocky holiday reading. It's about a giant prehistoric shark that awakens in the deep and terrifies the world. But, you know, it was, it was great for holiday reading. So that was great. And then a couple of years later, I visited Amsterdam again. And I thought, let me see if I can find the same bookshop. And I did. And one of the first shelves I looked, there was the sequel to, to Meg called The Trench, <laughs> which I then also bought and read on holiday. So, I mean, these two books are really not the high quality, but they completely take me back to those visits to Amsterdam because they just bring back those memories so beautifully. Yeah, speaking of staying in, in Europe, one of my favorite books, and I actually read a paper copy of this one because it's a long time ago that I read it, was Smiller's Sense of Snow, which is, she's from Greenland, but she finds herself in Copenhagen in Denmark. And it's just a beautiful, I seem to like a lot of detective type stories or investigative type stories. What I liked most about the book was that it actually had a geological twist to it. For somebody who studied geology and geophysics, the unwinding of the story actually has something to do with geology and um, all of that sort of stuff. And then I also love the genre of Nordic Noir. And if you think about books by somebody like Joe Nesbo, who wrote all of the Harry Holley novels and all of the descriptions of him walking down these streets with these very long names, which all end in Gata. It's like the girl with the dragon tattoo as well, if you remember that. And all the descriptions of the places that, I don't know why in Nordic Noir they have to like walk down the streets and they have to give us each street name that they walked and they go under this bridge and they go. But in any case, I like the Nordic mysteries and there's, there's nobody like a Nordic writer that can describe the absolute stark landscape of those countries and I, I like reading those books. It's a very dangerous place to live. There's so many murders in Scandinavia. <laughs> yeah, if you had to take the statistics and I mean if you have to read all the books you'll just go well it seems like it's much more dangerous than living there than in Johannesburg. I did think when we were talking about European cities we should at least give honorable mention to Carlos Ruiz Zafon. Um, we did mention him on last year's podcast too for his Shadow of the Wind series which is set in Barcelona the latest book in the series is called The Labyrinth of the Spirits, and this, by this time the story had caught up to 1950s Barcelona. And it is a most amazing series of books, so I'll just leave that there. It's one of my favorite cities also, and this is one of the most evocative uh, series of books about that city that you can actually find to read. And then kind of maybe wrapping up our journey through Europe, you can always find a nice travel log about you know, traveling through European countries. But uh, Christos Tjolkas, who's the author of The Slap, which is kind of probably his most famous book around the world at the moment. He also wrote a book called Dead Europe, where, 
again, it's a young Australian man called Isaac who starts traveling through Europe. And as he travels along, he learns things about himself and his past. And uh, it's a disconcerting book and it's a dark travelogue, if you will. So it paints quite a different picture of these countries that he passes through. And it's, it's quite fascinating in his own way. Now, so we ended up with Europe now. So let's move to Africa. We live in Johannesburg. And I think you've got a book around Johannesburg. I do. I do have a book around Johannesburg. This is a newer one, just lest you think I only read old books. It's by Harry Colmer. Uh, it's called A Thousand Tales of Johannesburg, a city novel. So this is a book that really brings together the idea of Johannesburg being a city of immigrants, because Johannesburg is an interesting city in many ways. It's one of the few cities around the world that's not built around a major river, for example, because, of course, it was a city built around gold, and it brought people from all over the world in, in the hunt for gold. The mining industry is how the city got started. And years down the line, we still have such a mix of people from across the world living here. This book really explores what it means to have all these legacies of different cultures in the city, telling it through the tales of a, several people and spanning more than a hundred years. It is a, it's a really a book that in the beginning feels a bit fragmented to start reading because it's all these different tales presented to you seemingly quite randomly. But as the book progresses, they all start fitting together quite beautifully. And I think the way that the book comes together is similar to the way that our society in Johannesburg can come together, even though we are fragmented in terms of religion and race and culture, in the same way that the book brings these stories together, you know, so that Johannesburgers can also come together. Now, if we stay on the African continent, I seem to like to read series of books. And one of my favorite series is the number one ladies detective agency, which is set in Botswana. And it's written by Alexander McCall Smith. And it just follows detective uh, Precious Ramotswe and her adventures through the whole of Botswana. And I just love how she reflects on things. Like when she's driving in a little white bucky, she's thinking about life in general and she reflects upon stuff. And it just shows humanity wherever you go. And I just, I just love reading those books. And for them, a huge thing is water. And uh, when it starts raining and the way they describe the rains rolling in over the plains, it makes you want to visit Botswana. And I would recommend anybody to visit Botswana because it's a beautiful country with a lot of very friendly people. And if we stay in Africa, a book that was recommended to me while I was on holiday, while I was paragliding in Europe last year with a whole bunch of friends of mine, and we visited Austria and Italy, my roommates at the time, Kathy, she recommended that I read a book about uh, Nigeria. So actually I listened to this year was a year for me where I actually drove around a lot. So I listened to a lot of audiobooks this year. And she recommended that I read The Purple Hibiscus by Chamamanda Adichie. And it's set in Nigeria during a, a very unstable period. And, but it just describes a family being caught up in all of the riots and protests and all sorts of stuff. But it's just a normal story of but normal people who get caught up in it and how it influences their life. I don't know if, if the book will make me want to go to Nigeria, but at least I know a bit more about the country after reading the book. We spoke about books that can take you back to a place you've visited before, for example, holiday trip, but books can also take you back to a time in your own past and evoke certain memories. And I brought along today Stephen King's book, The Tommy Knockers, 
Uh, no, I mean, it's quite a good book in its own right. It's definitely worth reading. An interesting kind of take on the idea of alien visitation and all of those things. So as a high school boy, I started working at the public library and I was so into books and reading that the librarians, the kindly librarians, said, well, you know, since you read such a lot, we may as well make you part of the book selection committee for the library. So which means I got to take a copy of brand new books home to read and then fill out a form to help the library decide whether to buy this book for the library. And this book by Stephen King was one of the very first books that I got to to review in that sense for the library. Uh, the one I brought today is it's actually one of the original editions with um, a specific cover that's quite beautiful. And when I saw this book in a bookshop once, I was like, this is the copy I must own, because this takes me back to that very happy time of me working in the library. And this book is really quite precious to me because of that reason. I don't know how you decide what book you're going to read next. I have like lists and lists of stuff. When I read about uh, book recommendations in the newspaper, then I go, I make a list of those people and I just put it added to my to read list. And for some reason, this book called The Seven Sisters by Lucinda Riley came up in my book recommendation. It might have been through, I don't actually know how it would have ended up anywhere, but I read a summary of it and it sounded quite interesting because it was set in, well, firstly, it starts off in Lake Geneva, but it takes one of the sisters back on an adventure, her name is Maya, to Brazil and to Rio de Janeiro. I, when I started reading it, I realized that there was actually romance, which is a genre I don't read at all. And it was so cheesy and I wouldn't recommend it, but for some reason I couldn't put it down. I think that's probably how they trap you to reading more romance. And it's set in past and present and it all recounts the building of the statue of the Cristo in Rio de Janeiro and the whole love story that evolves with her mother. And, but in any case, I won't be reading the other six books in the series. Um, but for people who like romance, maybe you want to give it a go. I but don't know. But you'll never know what happened to the other six sisters. And it's okay. I've realized also recently that it's, I've now created a bookshelf because I use Goodreads. I've got a book that says to read, a bookshelf that says to read, a bookshelf that says read, and one that I've put aside for business books, which I'm studying. So I can't read business books all in one go. I have to read chapter by chapter and apply the stuff that I'm learning. And then I've got a new shelf now, which is called abandoned. Life is too short to start off with a book and go, oh, no, I don't want to read this. And then force yourself to finish it. So you can just put it down. And I put it onto the abandoned shelf and it's got a home. <laughs> do you abandon books as well? I do. I do abandon books sometimes, but not very frequently because I think my uh, there's a lot of guilt that I get from. Uh, but I think that the <laughs> leaving thing is, the characters that, there all by themselves, the, you but, know. But, but I mean, what I what I do feel better about if you have a partner that you live with, obviously, and you both buy books, you know, you'll you'll tend to try something that your partner bought, and then it's not necessarily to your taste. So you shouldn't feel bad about abandoning that and telling them they bought a rubbish book. It happens. It does happen, yeah. Let's go into Flights of Fantasy. Flights of Fantasy, yes, let's do that. <laughs> so we spoke about places that book can transport you to, obviously. So we have fantasy universes. We do watch films and TVs and books set in certain worlds that we might enjoy a lot. For me, that's Star Trek. I'm a big fan of the Star Trek universe. And all the, Andy even has a uniform. That might be true. <laughs> But the beauty of Star Trek is, I think many people who know it from the television series and the movies don't realize that there are literally hundreds and hundreds of books that have been written set in the same universe. And an extension of such a universe into literature means there's 
endless possibilities. It can tell tales of those characters and worlds that you could never put on film or television. Of course, in Star Trek, if you know anything about it, there's the big bad is called the Borg, which is an alien race of kind of half robot, half human characters who terrify everyone and kill as far as they go. And, I mean, and that assimilate. Was a, and assimilate, yes. It's a big theme in the, in, the, in the television series and movies. So there's a part, I bought this three-part book. This is collected as one volume by David Mack called Star Trek Destiny. It's uh, three books that it contains called Gods of Nightmare, Mortals and Lost Souls. It essentially concludes the story of the Borg in the most dramatic galaxy-spanning way you could possibly imagine. It's the scale of this book where, in essence, a war breaks out between all of what we know in, in Star Trek universe and the Borg. The scale of this book is such that, I mean, it would cost billions and billions of, of dollars to film. Um, and they would never have enough special effects, I think, to create the amazing wars and, and battles that happen in this book. Yeah, I mean, I think if you like, if you like science fiction, it's a standalone book. It's also quite fun to read um, because you, you won't feel too lost. But if you like Star Trek in any way, this is really a good one to read. I think I might have to add that to my list for my holiday reading. And if we're going to be in outer space, well, not really outer space. The first audio book that I listened to on Audible was Artemis by Andy Weir, which is, he's the same author who wrote The Martian, which is, of course, also a wonderful movie and that anybody should watch, I think. But Artemis is a city that was created on the moon. And I think as soon as the first city on the moon is created, I would also love to visit it. And I can recommend listening to this book because it's just beautifully narrated as well. Of course, we can't talk about fantasy universes without mentioning Terry Pratchett's Discworld. There are so many novels in that series. I mean, we spoke about it in our previous podcast also. We both love it. So, yeah, definitely an honorable mention in terms of places we'd like to go to that we'll never be able to go to. Similarly, places that you want to go to but probably shouldn't on, and hopefully won't. Uh, for myself, I love post-apocalyptic literature, novels, genres, movies, uh, TV series, zombies, you know, and the various kind of plagues and mishaps that end humanity apart from a few hardy characters who then roam the earth looking for canned food. And I brought along two books today just to kind of illustrate that genre because, you know, I read these books and I actually think I'd be a pretty good survivor. You know, if you stick with me, I think you'll be okay. You'll see. I mean, my partner says that when the zombie apocalypse happens, he's just going to go out and walk straight into the zombies because he doesn't see himself like wanting to scrounge around for food. So he'll just give himself up on day one. Well, that's okay. So then we won't have to motivate him to run from building to building, collecting friends as we go and mm -hmm. having an adventure. Exactly. So I brought today, it's another Stephen King book called The Stand, which is probably one of the first post-apocalyptic books I read as a teenager. And it's also quite a famous one in that regard, because it's a very amazingly detailed book about a specific kind of disease called Captain Trips. That it's kind of a flu-like disease that wipes out humanity, apart from obviously a few hardy characters. It's Sounds a lot like day, day of the Triffids. <laughs> Something like that. And I think this book awakened to me a love of the post-apocalyptic world. And since then, I've read so many of those books. I mean, some of them are quite schlocky. Some of them are fun. Some of them are action thrillers. Uh, some of them are quite quite disturbing. I think last year we mentioned Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which falls into that category. But then I brought a more recent one. There's another example called uh, by Max Brooks called World War Z or World War Z, depending on, I suppose, which country you're in. And he basically tells about a zombie apocalypse, but in the most interesting way. I mean, a movie was made of this book starring Brad Pitt. 
which is more of a normal kind of narrative form, but following a normal narrative. But the book itself is written in in a way that it's it's kind of a collection of little news reports and secret military reports and other kind of documentary evidence of this dramatic plague that's unfolding around the world. And the fun bit is that it includes South Africa. South Africa plays quite a little role in this book. So it's always nice to read about home, even if you're talking about the end of the world. I also read that book and I watched that movie as well. And I think what's most terrifying about it is you get two types of zombies, are the slow ones and the fast ones. And in this book, you've got the fast zombies and they can pile up and make bridges and it's actually terrifying. Yes, there are places I'd like to go, but hopefully don't have to go. Do you have an extensive collection of travel books like I do? Well, yes, I do. And I'm glad you asked. <laughs> we have traveled extensively and we always buy travel guides, the likes of a Fodor's guide or Time Out or any of those books, um, because we find it incredibly useful to have a, an actual paper book with us when traveling. There's something quite nice about just whipping out the book and going to the right page to check up on the history of a museum that you are visiting or just to find the next attraction in the same neighborhood that you might want to visit. And I mean, yes, Obviously, your phone and Google and those things have made it quite easy, but there's something to be said about having an actual travel guide in your backpack. And they become little memories of that time that you were visiting a city because the bookmarks are ticket stubs and subway tickets and things like that. And there's marked passages of museums that you went to that turned out to be closed or that were really cool that you might want to go back to. But I didn't specifically bring any of those travel books today. I brought, I looked at our travel shelf and I thought, let me bring something that our listeners might actually not have heard of, but it's just the most amazing book. It's called Atlas Obscura uh, by Joshua Four, Dylan Thuras, and Ella Morton. It's quite a beautiful book. It's called Atlas Obscura, An Explorer's Guide to the World's Hidden Wonders. And what it does is you can basically open to any page and it shows you the most amazing things in locations around the world that it sounds like fantasy, but these things all exist in our actual real world. I mean, I opened randomly to a page and there's the Waitomo glowworm caves and the cargo cults of Tanna, Watson Lakeside Post Forest, Uranium City, the Saskatchewan Twisted Trees. I'm just paging through the book. You can see the Museum of Clean. It just, all of these things sound like actual titles of amazing fantasy novels, and yet there are real places on earth that you can go and visit. So, yeah, in terms of inspiring places that you might want to go visit, Atlas Obscura is a very good guide to that. I might have to check that out of your library so I can have a look at it. The very first travel book that I bought was on Indonesia. And the reason why I bought it was because when I finished my studies, it was that my studies were sponsored by a mining company. They told me that I would be posted in Indonesia to do exploration. So I bought a whole book on Indonesia and cultures, and I was very excited to go. And then in the end, it didn't happen. So it was nice to read about it, but then I never ended up going there. And then they eventually put me in China, and I did then buy another travel book. And then Travel books are, or, or travel guides are probably the only paper books that I really buy because, as you say, it's nice to have the paper book with you. Um, my travel style is normally not to read too much about the place I'm going to. I like to wander around and find stuff. But sometimes if you're going to a city for the first time, it's nice to uh, do a bit of a read. So my rough guide to Rome, which is a city that I've visited quite a lot of times, has got quite a lot of highlights and places that you should visit. So I can remember to go back there. If I take somebody with me who's never been to Rome, I can show them all the places that I visited the last time. 
Okay, and yes, on travel guides, I did bring along one book. It's the last one that I brought today. It's the Fodor's Guide to South Africa from 2006. This is the edition that I brought. And the fun thing about this book is that I wrote large parts of it back in 2005 and for this edition to come out the next year. It was a very interesting experience because we're talking about travel writing and everything, but to actually have to be the one to do the travel writing teaches you such a lot about looking at the attractions of your city, country, the places people might want to visit, and then trying to figure out not to just write a listing of these things. I mean, anyone can write a list of museums and places to go to and opening hours and prices, but how do you then in only a few words sometimes paint a picture of this place that will make someone living in Indonesia maybe, or New York City, or London, or Amsterdam go, well, you know what, I really should go to Johannesburg to see the following things because it sounds actually really attractive. So that was a rare bit of insight from the other side about travel writing. Since it's the holiday season in South Africa, there's some time now to do some reading, I guess. So I was wondering what's on your list of books to read in December? Well, almost top of my pile is the book by Susan Orleans that you already mentioned, the library book, which I'm very keen to read because of my real interest in libraries, of course, and it sounds fascinating. I've also recently put onto the reading pile, which is always growing, Kate Atkinson's When Will There Be Good News, a novel. I've bought Sarah Lott's uh, The White Road, Claire North's End of the Day. That uh, looks like a very interesting book about death expressed in an unusual way. And what about you? I first have to finish a book called Bear Town, which was written by Frederick Buckman. It's set in Sweden and it's all about ice hockey. And But it's not just about ice hockey. It's about relationships and people trying to figure each other out. And then um, this year I read, I think my favorite book that I read this year was called Daisy, Joan and, Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And I went and looked at some of her other books. So I'll be reading this festive season, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, because I'd really like to read more on the things that's, that she's written. And then the book that I bought for my team in preparation for next year is called Getting Things Done by David Allen. And I listened to a couple of podcasts on where he explains his whole methodology. So I gave it to them all so we can all get a lot of stuff done next year. Would that include organizing next year's podcast? Definitely. Great. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for joining me in the studio. And people can look forward to our chat next year again on more, even more books. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.